Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2008. This is Chris talking about Step 1. Yeah, my name's Chris and I'm an alcoholic. And I'm sober today. Um, I identify with the Hearst Bridge Group. Um, I've been a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, sober for 17 years and three days. I hate to put that bit in. And uh, I was never an alcoholic. I, uh, I had a drinking problem. I knew that. Uh, I was a heavy drinker. But I wasn't one of those alcoholics. And uh, my wife left me six days before I got to the scholarship. And I had to have a good hard look at myself. And it, uh, it uh, suddenly dawned on me what my problem was, that I was an alcoholic. And I, I, I attended an AA meeting that night. and. Um, they told me to listen to the similarities, not the differences, and I, I uh, you know, I listened to everything, and I, uh, I, I heard a lot of stuff while I was an alcoholic, and I heard a lot of stuff while I wasn't an alcoholic. Because I, I suppose I, I was trying to ID by um, behaviour, drunken behaviour, and alcoholism is not like that. You know, it was good to, uh, the very start of this uh, meeting, to hear the, 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 the doctor's cycle read out because um, you know I believe that's the crux of the crux of the problem and, and certainly if we're talking about the first step I think that's what we should be talking about. Because that's what I used to identify myself as an alcoholic in the end and uh, you know we really do need to know the exact nature of the problem. You know it's not um, crashing cars, going to jail, wedding beds and that sort of stuff which, which, which convinced me that I was an alcoholic. You know it was that doctor cycle, it was the um, phenomenon of craving. And the way the, um, the the way the steps are written, you know, I believe step one and two are two steps that go together. Because if I uh, until I really believed and accepted that, accepted that there was a solution, uh, I wasn't going to accept my alcoholism. And I believe I did both steps simultaneously. Um, and I spoke before about the, uh, the, the doctor's cycle and the first part of that cycle that he talks about is the phenomenon of craving. And I was sort of, I'd been sus about that for a long time. I remember years ago, probably early, early 20s, I had a job and it was, uh, it was in a factory. And there was a warehouse there and we were to, I was talking to, one, to, to the guy that, one, that ran the, um, the store one day and he, he was saying that the only, uh, he finds it on a hot day, the best thing to quench his thirst is a nice cold beer. And I said to me, you know, it's funny, I, I don't find that. I find that if I, have, if I have one beer on a hot day like that, it makes me thirstier and I want more. And he said to me then and there, he said to me, you might have to look at that lady, you might have a problem. And uh, it's funny how that sort of stuff sticks in your head, you know, because he was spot on. I always thought that alcohol, I, I thought the people that, that, that made it had some special ingredient that they used to put in, drop in a couple of drops in it, so, uh, so that when you started drinking, you just drank more and more, you got the taste for it and couldn't stop. I just thought it was a really clever marketing ploy. I was later to find out that the clever ingredient was actually in me. And the doctor talks about alcoholics as distinct entities. You know, that means you know, as I said when I, when I started talking, I, uh, I was trying to identify with drunken behaviour. You know, everybody does stupid things when they get drunk. Everybody. 
you know, even social drinkers will social drink for years and then suddenly things go wrong in their life and through circumstances they'll end up drinking too much and they'll do stupid things, you know, so. Um, <clears throat> when I first got here to Australia, I'm a Kiwi. Um, I met, I, I met a couple of guys we used to go in the pub on a Thursday night and drink. And we used to get down there five, half hour style or something like that and start drinking. We used to drink pot for pot. And it would come seven o'clock. And they'd just put their pots down and go home. Had to go home at seven o'clock. And oh, I couldn't do that. I used to look at seven o'clock and, and that, uh, those pub clocks used to go so fast. Just give myself by eight o'clock and I'd look at the time, it'd be ten past eight and God, and by then it was too late, you know. And, you know, I came to IA and identified with that phenomenon of craving. When somebody finally showed me the cycle of addiction, I really identified with that uh, phenomenon of craving. When I started drinking, I always got the taste for it. And uh, <clears throat> my wife left me uh, six days before I got to AA. And, you know, she was a drinker too. And, you know, I thought that was pretty unfair because I was a drinker, she was a drinker, and she left me because I drank too much. How unfair is that, you know? But when I look back on it now, she used to drink every night of the week. She used to come home from work and pull a cork out of a bottle of Beaujolais and drink it. And if, she had, if she'd finished it by the time she went to bed, she'd have a bourbon. And she'd go out in the weekend and um, get drunk. And uh, I think she used to take Sundays off. But the thing with, the thing with her, the thing that differentiates me from her, I'm an alcoholic and she, she's a, a heavy drinker. She used to say to me, she used to plead with me, you know, with all sincerity, she used to say, Chris, I don't mind you drinking, just drink in moderation. And I was as baffled as her, you know, I was as baffled as her. And uh, so that, um, that phenomenon of craving, you know, it was explained to me that uh, I'm allergic to alcohol. When I take it into me, the way that the allergy shows itself, and it made good sense to me, because when I was a kid, I used to be allergic to fruit, new season fruit. I used to come up in hives, little little bumps, and I used to scratch myself, and I'm allergic to bee stings. If I get a bee sting, I, uh, my foot spells up horribly. So I uh, identified with that. And, uh, and the second part of the problem was the mental obsession. And... Uh, I spent, I spent a lot of time not drinking. I used to give up all the time because I sort of, I knew that if I, if I drank, my life was sort of a lot better. And I had real good reasons to give up too. You know, I lost partners, I lost uh, two children. Um, I, everything I loved, plus the material stuff. And uh, so I had really good reasons for, uh, for stopping drinking. I used to stop drinking, but I could never say so. I, uh, uh, early in my drinking days, I used to stop for a considerable length of time, and later in my drinking, it, uh, those periods were uh, getting shorter and shorter. And in the doctor's opinion, the, the doctor makes a statement, he said, for these types, the normal psychological approach doesn't work. You know? And uh, the normal psychological approach to that problem, if I crave alcohol once I start drinking it, the normal psychological approach is don't drink. And uh, that was the one that I, uh, that, that I couldn't, uh, I just couldn't do. You know, no matter how hard I tried, somewhere down the track, the, the thought came into my head, have a drink. And uh, 
that thought always won out. You know, it always won out. And uh, I, I, I couldn't understand that because I, uh, yeah, I, I showed such good willpower in other, uh, in other aspects of, of my life. When I was a kid, I, was, I went to a birthday party. I, I would have been about eight or nine. And they had those red sausages there. And uh, I ate those and the normal party food as kids do. And uh, I went home that night. And it must be nine or 10 o'clock, I started vomiting. And, and I think by the time I'd finished, the only thing that was left in me was my vital organs. And I got up that next morning and I, 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 I made a decision that I was never gonna eat those red sausages again. And you know, I stand here over 40 years later and I have never taken another red sausage. <laughs> now I used to apply that same solution to my drinking. And, uh, you know, I just said 40 years. I used to go out on a binge and I used to wake up in the morning, sleep and late, get up at 9.30 or 10 or something, feeling shocking, full of guilt and remorse. And uh, I used to swear off drinking. The same way as I used to swear off those red sausages, you know. Put the same solution into my life. And I'd get up and she wouldn't be talking to me and uh, the phone would ring and my stunt would do a triple flip and I was full of fear and uh, that would follow me through the day. You know, I'd come to lunchtime, I'd have a little bit of lunch and I'd start feeling a wee bit better, a little bit better. And uh, I needed something to, uh, just to take the edge off things, you know. Just uh, a little bit of edge, just to just take the edge off things. and. The thought would come, you know, a drink, a drink, no, 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 I've sworn off it. Have a drink, and this tension's building, and uh, I'd give myself permission, but I'd only give myself permission for one. I'll just have one, just to take the edge off it, you know. And I'd have that one drink, and the craving clicked in, and around I went again, you know. I, you know, I had people coming in, and uh, coming in, and they say, you know, they're sick and tired of being sick and tired, I was sick and tired, you know being sick and tired, but I was dizzy from going around that, that cycle. It, uh, it was hopeless and, uh, it, you know, I talked about those red sausages, you know. Forty years I've been, I've had no problem applying a solution. And I just gave you an example of my alcoholism, you know, four hours. Four hours compared to forty years, you know, and that's... It, the second step talks about insanity. You know, and if that's not plain insanity, I don't know what it is, you know. I drink against my will. You know, and, um, um, you know, that was my problem. And I had to a problem, you know. If this program's about self-diagnosis, and um, I need to know what the problem is if I'm going to apply a solution, and that, 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 that makes that makes sense to me. You know, if I take the car to the mechanic, he's got to diagnose what's wrong with it before he can apply a solution. Or if I go to a doctor, you know, he, he diagnoses me first, and, and, and then he applies the solution. And, uh, you know, it's the same with our alcoholism. We need to know what that problem is. And um, that, uh, that phenomenon of craving and that, that mental obsession explained it all to me. It explained why I'm a distinct entity, you know. I, um, as I said, you know, when I started talking by the drunken behaviour and that it didn't, uh, I found the heavy drinker and the alcoholic very, very close. And, uh, you know, once I had that information, I, I believe it was vital that I, that I had a good look at that, that, that I looked at that second step because um, 
Um, the second step is, is, is where the hope is. And for me to have a really good look at that first step, I need a bit of hope to have a look at it because, you know, like if I went to the doctor and the doctor said to me, um, you know, you're suffering from a, um, a fatal disease, sit down, I'm going to tell you all about it, my mind's going to snap shut, I don't want to know. But if the doctor said, look, you're suffering from a fatal disease, but we have an absolutely wonderful solution for you, but to apply that solution, you're going to have to hear exactly what the problem is. I'm going to be all ears. I'm going to, I'm going to listen. And, um, you know, I need to do that. Um, first step, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and our lives have become unmanageable. You know, I believe the second part of that, that, that uh, the second part of that first step is self-explanatory. You know, when I had that, uh, that uh, phenomenon of craving happening in my life, and that mental obsession, my life couldn't be anything else but unmanageable. You know, yeah, you know it was. It was always unmanageable. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, that brings us to the third step. And, um, you know, those first two steps are about information. You know, am I an alcoholic? Yes. Do I believe there's a solution? Step two, yes. And I believe that's the simplicity of... Uh, of those two steps, we're looking for yeses. You know, we're not looking for ifs or maybes. You know, an alcoholic, uh, 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 we use the word powerless, and powerless is a black and white word, you know, it's a 100% word. You know, if you're 99% powerless over alcohol, I think it works out to about 14 minutes a day, you're non-alcoholic. You know, you've got to be real careful what you're doing for that 14 minutes. Um, it, uh, you know, and I was reading a, um, I was reading some obscure writings about Bill W. just recently, and he, he he talked about the two authorities in AA. And I thought that's not right. We've, uh, there's only one authority, a lot in God, as he may express himself through a group conscience. But uh, he talks about two authorities, and the uh, the first authority is a loving God, and the second authority is alcohol. Cunning, baffling, and powerful, you know. And when we, uh, you know, we stop drinking, we come to AA. Until we've looked at that third step, you know, I believe alcohol is still the authority in our life, and uh, that's a, uh, you know, that's a dangerous place to be. And you know, that to me spells spells out the, the necessity. Of these of these steps, you know the uh, the reason why we do the steps is, is to find a solution that we can apply to alcoholism, you know, and it's the only solution that AA offers. It doesn't offer any others, and um, you know it's a wonderful solution. When I was um, when I was first sober, there was a uh, Irene from Boring, uh, Irene from uh, the Baldwin Group. I used to go around the house and sit down. Irene used to tell it. So it she used to sit down and talk to me, and she, she didn't tell me about the explain the disease to me. She used to sit down and she used to tell me how wonderful my life was going to be when I really started handing my lot of my life over to God. And um, you know, it was true what she what she said, and it, it just filled me with hope. And you know, that hope turned into belief, and that belief turned into faith. And um, you know, my life's been uh, wonderful since I've been in AA. I've had ups and downs and uh, been given all sorts of gifts. I, uh, you know, I talked about my wife left me, she never came back, but I've got a new wife today and uh, I've got a 14-year-old son in the since I've been in the fellowship and um, 
you know, life's good. Life's really good. It, uh, that thing I wouldn't spot my, la my worst day uh, in sobriety for my best day drinking, you know, is true. Thanks very much for letting me share. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au Thanks for letting us share.